Hey everybody, welcome back to Phantom Power Music. This is a business hour podcast. We're going to be talking about the music industry and we're going to be talking about how to bring independent musicians into this space. I am joined by two guys who are knee deep, hip deep, neck deep in Bitcoin. Uh, Bobby Shell, Vice President of Marketing at Voltage and Sean Yeager, Head of Sales at Amboss. They have both been in the industry for years. They are far more knowledgeable than I am and they're both musicians. Uh, so I thought it would be fun to get the three of us together and kind of strategize and spitball as to how we should talk to independent musicians. And I'm hoping that independent musicians around the world will listen to this because uh, these guys bring a lot of knowledge. They bring some insight that I don't have and uh, they're able to speak to it in a much more eloquent fashion. So uh, without any further ado, uh, I will bring down the background music on loop and we will bring in Bobby and Sean and I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation. Here we go. Well, welcome back, everybody. Um, very excited to have uh, two gentlemen that I've had a lot of conversations with uh, in person and publicly. Um, two guys that uh, are have been in the Bitcoin space for uh, quite some time and bring a tremendous amount of knowledge into this conversation. And they're also uh, musicians. So on the line with me, Bobby Shell, Vice President of marketing with Voltage. Um, Bobby is also a small business owner and is a scrapper in all of the good regards um, and is also a musician and you can check out his music over on Wave Lake. And also very excited to have Sean Yeager, uh, head of sales at Amboss. Uh, Sean has also been uh, a consultant and advisor to companies uh, like Clover and um, Sonata, if I'm pronouncing that right, Sean. Um, Orange Pill and NY Dig. Um, and Sean's a musician as well, bit of a drummer, uh, you know, playing around town a little bit in Nashville. So I thought it'd be fun to get these guys together and talk about Bitcoin and talk about music. So welcome, fellas. Hey, thank you. Yeah, this will be sure. fun. I didn't favorite subjects. Sean, I didn't even know you played music. So this will just be fun learning more about you too. Absolutely. Likewise. Um. So let's let, let's think about it this way. Like I, I was thinking about you guys and it's like, okay, how do we bring musicians into this space? And if Sean and Bobby and I were at a bar down in Nashville, down downtown, and we saw this amazing band and while we're sitting there watching them, we bring up their Spotify uh, and, and we see like, man, like these guys are so damn good, but they're only getting like 5,000 streams a song and then we go to their socials and like there's only 2,000 people following this band and we're like how in the wide world of sports is is nobody following this band? how come people don't know about this band right so the three of us being a bunch of sales goobers and bitcoin fans that we are <laughs> and being musicians decide all right we got to get these guys into the bitcoin space how do we do it how do we do it so bobby let me start with you, like if we, if if we put our sales Bitcoin musician brain on, how would you explain to musicians to this band that we've just seen? How would you explain value? What value for value is, and how it could help this unsigned band? Yeah. So. Um... Yeah, specifically for an unsigned band, um, I'll, I would paint two pictures for any artist having this conversation that I think frames this entire hour, whatever we spend perfectly. So like Snoop Dogg today, it's uh, December 8th when we're recording this. He says he got over a billion streams on Spotify and made less than $45,000. We've talked before on a, and just in passing together how there's so many people who um, you know, take cuts out of a song. So if you don't own your music, um, you're not going to make any money just straight up. So if you don't own your music fully, this is absolutely for you. Um, and it's a way for you to better connect with your audience, whether it just be you being an influencer without your song or with your song, number one. Part two, if you're an independent band, 
this is even more so for you because you might not have label executives, all these people with their hand in the pot taking money off the top from you. So this is very valid for you. And I think for an independent band, um, you know, we're in a world where it's not just about touring anymore. You've got the digital internet. And if you're making music, if you're paying attention to TikTok, um, you are likely very well in the loop now that marketing and music is wildly, wildly different than it was years before. Um, and TikTok's the place you have to be. Um, and if, if you're on there, you probably are building quite the following, but then you think, well, how do I monetize this? Like, what can I do to just take this audience and rally them around me? And community matters and in, in music. And you want to really like find ways to create community, get involved and get interacted with your audience and, and tell them, hey, I am displaying my music in this new way. It's called Value for Value. And what's great about it is you can stream money directly to me and we'll, we'll dive into all that. And, you know, we make 99% of it. No one else takes a cut. And I think there's, there's two lenses to like kick off the entire conversation. If you don't own a bunch of your music and you're like Snoop Dogg only making $45,000 over a billion streams, that sucks. Like Connor Price, a rapper nowadays who uh, owns his entire stack of music, he's making 250 grand a month off Spotify because he owns his stuff. Yeah. So you're either an owner or you're not like full stop. So if you are an owner, you're going to make way more money leveraging this. If you're if you're not an owner, there's a very compelling reason to put the ball in your court and give yourself more control and direct connection with your audience. So I'll start right there as like a simple framing. Yeah, Sean, what do you what, what's your thought there? I mean, he hit on the big one there, you know, like financial sovereignty. Like what what goes through your mind when you think about that and how to get these guys to start stacking sats? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, not surprisingly, Bobby nailed it. And I think the two takeaways are ownership and 99%. You know, if I was going to leave them with uh, with a couple of, of key points, I mean, I would take a slightly different approach to it, which is to say I would turn it on its head, kind of a classic sales technique, which is let's focus on their problems first. And I, I think one of the challenges that I know we've um, bubbled up through our conversations is it's really not about selling Bitcoin or value for value. It's about understanding the challenges they have, frankly, do they recognize that they're challenges? Have they tried anything different? Are they willing to attempt to break out? And then mapping that to what value for value and Bitcoin can do. So in other words, if I had 20 minutes uh, with that, that artist, that band in that bar, I would really want to dive in and understand, you know, what agitates them the most? Are they and, you know, I spent, by the way, five years as a partner in a music tech accelerator here in Nashville. And um, I, 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 hes- I hesitate to say this, but there's a lot of artists that are quite content in what we would see as a very, very miserable situation. And that's just the sad truth of it, I think. So for those who are motivated to try something different, for those who are willing, uh, I think it is, you know, getting an understanding of what is going to animate them. Um, but certainly, as Bobby said, I think, unfortunately, it's it's a non-starter if they're locked in some egregious 360, uh, you know, record label or publishing deal. Uh, but I think, you know, I think as a, let's just put it this way, as a community, we use that word a lot, but as a bunch of Bitcoiners and uh, Noster users and whatever other, you know, sovereign tech stack we are assembling here, I think it's incumbent upon us to meet them where they are and to show empathy and to show an understanding of their challenges, which certainly I know you two gentlemen do, uh, but I think the messaging has to has to center on that, uh, and the technology and the and the features and benefits come secondary. So let me play the role of the dumb bass player in the band. Like I only play one note at a time. Half the time I don't know the chords. <laughs> so explain to it's like wait a second, guys. Okay, I, this all sounds good, but you're going over my head. Like what the hell is Bitcoin? Like break it down for me. Like I'm a, like I'm a dumb bass player. Like I, I hear this all the time. What the hell is Bitcoin? Bobby, what, what is Bitcoin? Yeah. Someone asked this earlier today on Twitter, explain it like I'm a five-year-old. And, you know, I think the, the simple thing is for, for, for those who are in Bitcoin, we realize that, um, our wealth grows over time. We we have more purchasing power over time. So like, what does that actually mean? Well, um, I feel like anyone who's kind of been alive and here the last few years, you've kind of felt prices go up. There's things you cannot control, these extraneous variables like 
what the Federal Reserve does with interest rates and how they can print money. And all of these levers they pull, it impacts us as people. It makes the cost of goods go up. It drives up the cost of living and it just creates challenges for us. Like what does Bitcoin do? It helps try to address that problem digitally where now we have money where the supply is fixed and no matter how in demand it gets, uh, you can't make more of it. Therefore, um, what we've seen across history is it not only retains its value, but it grows relative in value to the cost of goods that are in the market. So as a, as a creative, as someone who is an entrepreneur, that's very appealing. You know, at the end of the day, we simply want money because of what it can get us. And that's typically either time or some other good or service. So if, you, if you're a creative, it's, it's great to find a way to integrate Bitcoin into what you're doing because, you know, money's hard in the music industry. It's very, very challenging. So if you could earn a form of money that over a long time horizon goes up in value, that's pretty powerful for you. And more importantly, it connects you to a global audience. Uh, now with streaming music and the internet and the ability to connect with anyone globally, it's quite fascinating and interesting that you can go viral and be worldwide. And why not give the world the ability to connect with you? And what's really fun for artists is you can actually incentivize people to come and engage with you and have fun enjoying you over the internet with small fractions of a Bitcoin. You know, anyone who's a new artist, um, there's a guy named Nick D. He's in the crew with that guy, Connor Price, and he's absolutely destroying it. Record labels literally go tell the artist, hey, model after this independent guy who leverages TikTok. Like the marketing departments can't really do near what the artists can. Like it's the script is flipped like we discussed. And for him, he would run paid ads online to get his music known when he first started. Well, nowadays you can run an incentive or a little offer to get people to come engage and it's even lower cost. So there's a lot of options and things, but that's really what Bitcoin is. It's obviously money like we believe, but there's a lot of technological advancements and just um, delightful ways you can use it to attract people to listen and enjoy your music. Yeah, I mean, if I had to explain what Bitcoin is, and Sean, I'm going to ask you the same question. Like, how would we explain it to somebody? Like, I, I, did, I would just try and keep it simple. I'm like, look, it, 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 it's a digital currency, number one. N number two, um, you have to understand the fact that there's only going to be X amount of it. There's only going to be 21 million. And anytime you have something that the scarcity of it is defined, the value is going to go up. Case in point, there's only X amount of, of uh, Honus Wagner baseball cards, and they are worth you know, hundreds of thousands, if not millions, right? Or let's put it in, in musician terms. There is a reason why a 1959 pre-CBS Fender Strat is worth as much as it's worth because there's only, because of the quality of it, but there's only so many of them that are out there. It's, it's the scarcity of it that is indicative of its value and that that to me uh are are the, the, those are two things that i always bring up when somebody asks what it is sean what do you think well you said bassist i'll i'll uh explain it like i'm a drummer which i am uh which is i, I would i would tend to say that it offers you the, uh, the security and the scarcity of gold in a vault but it moves with the speed and the ease of cash app oh that's and, good and, and see where that takes us. I mean, I think, you know, so much of that conversation, of course, if played out is going to be feeding into what connects. But I think um, as flawed as we all know, the digital gold uh, metaphor is, um, I think it's a useful tool in conversations like that. That's really a great point. We've talked about the value of Bitcoin, what it is, digital currency, and we've kind of briefly touched upon uh, the percentages of, of the income stream and uh, Bobby, you know, you brought up uh, Nick D and Connor Price and whatnot, you know, like the, for, for these artists that own their catalog, right? And that maybe they, maybe the three of us are in a band and we have to split the royalties, you know, one third. Um, how would you guys explain that to, to somebody in terms of, hey, guys, like, you know, you can post your songs uh, uh, up in web three in the space there's a lot of different places where you can do this you got lnb you got tunester you got 
you know, radio shows like Boostergram Ball and Lightning Thrashes and all these great shows around that are playing music. And you got services like Wavelink. And oh, by the way, you can set it up to where all, all four members of your band or all three members of your band, whomever wrote the song that, you know, you have, you can set up the splits in there automatically. So as, as the, as the pieces of Bitcoin come in, everybody gets paid this, the, you know, what, whatever you guys agree to on, on the splits and everybody gets paid at the same time. Like, is there a different way to explain that? Uh, Sean, like, do, do you have a, is there a better way of, of explaining what the back end splits are to people? What if I could replace your PROs in a six month waiting time with a few lines of software and a couple of microseconds? <laughs> and we know it's not that clean, but I mean, that's where we're headed, right? And I mean, uh, I realize, you know, maybe there's some, uh, I have friends at PROs here in Nashville uh, and I, I love them dearly, but you know, these are antiquated uh, and are, you know, uh, anachronistic businesses that uh, just need to be replaced. And I think uh, most of the musicians I know have deep pains associated with those six month, nine month uh, payout wait times. And uh, I'm hesitant, you know, I said, I said what I said tongue in cheek, because I'm hesitant to promise anything that sounds too good to be true. But I think that's effectively what this does is to is to, to, to swap out uh, those middlemen for, for some code and, and some instant gratification. And the dumb bass player jumps in and says, what's a PRO? And then I respond, ah, a PRO is your performing rights organization. That is ASCAP, that is BMI, that is CSAC, that is whomever is that you guys have registered your songs with that is, quote unquote, supposed to be double checking all of the different uh, opportunities that your music has given you and therefore paying you accordingly. But as my good friend Sean has mentioned, you have to wait about six months for your mailbox money and even then hope that they got it right. So Bobby, what do you like? How would you explain the backend splits and um, that instantaneous benefit to uh, independent musicians? Yeah. yeah. I mean, when it comes to music or like how a lot of this or it comes to like telling, educating people about Bitcoin or how this works, um, I almost don't even want to bring up the supply cap and all the typical things we talk about. I only want to like address specifically how it serves them. And I think for musicians, um, you can get immediate withdrawal, like of just your money, you know, it's CD baby or whatever tool you're using. Um, there's caps of like, Oh, once you hit $10, $15, like imagine it just like streaming directly to your mobile phone into your wallet anytime you need it. And if you do collaborate and make music with friends, um, you can have it split immediately in real time directly to you. And um, what I would tell them is, you know, anyone who's a musician now who hasn't been on TikTok, um, they're kind of learning, man, I wish I was an early adopter. Well, this is a great opportunity to kind of slow down, pump the brakes and learn what this thing really is because anyone who's an early adopter to a new technology typically tends to be a very big winner. And I would encourage people to test it and explore it and try it and tell that story because you might find that it is the reason your music even gets discovered. Um, and, and that, that's really important. Um, and yeah, like I think I with think a band, yeah, yeah, I, I think emphasize that great, yeah. great point. The, the only other thing too, is I think it kind of paints the picture. Um, I don't know if it was David Bowie or, um, Jim Morrison, but they were like, you know, one day it'll be a guy on stage all by himself playing music as like a one-man band. And we're seeing that. Like if you play in a band with a bunch of members, it's really challenging. Like one band that's killing it doing right now is Lawrence, the band, um, Gracie Lawrence and her brother. And they're just absolutely phenomenal. They're doing social media the right way. They're crushing it. And they're like an eight-person band. But that's a lot of money being spread out where you know, modern musicians, you can make beats on your computer, make music on your computer, sample stuff, record it all by yourself and yeah. take home all the revenue. So it really depends on how you're approaching music. I mean, you can be successful in both. And it's fair to say that a lot of like artists who are going fully digital in some cases, they're they're more successful, you know. Yeah. Um, but it's a, it's a really interesting topic. It's just, yeah, it could get pretty deep pretty quick. Bobby, I always love talking to you about this, man, because like every time you bring up like four or five artists that I've never heard of, 
right? And I'm like, damn, I gotta go check that dude out, right? <laughs> yeah, Lawrence, the band's pretty cool because they're using. Um, I just got invited to a, a beta of something that they're a part of that's interesting, and it's cool because the, it allows you to directly connect to your audience. Um, it's yeah. called Stim. It's called Splitter.fm. So you get to upload all your stems and it lets like uh, listeners engage and like leave notes and comment. And it's kind of cool. Like it would be even better with value for value integrated, but it's kind of like an attempt to connect artists and build community around the artists with the listeners. But yeah, Lawrence, the band is doing a lot of really cool stuff as far as like being indie and kind of on the bleeding edge of like how music can and should be done in the social world. Splitter.fm. I'm gonna have to check that out. Yeah. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah, I think, you know, and another thing that I would bring up to this band that we're talking to is kind of like what's going on in two weeks uh, up in. Um, oh, thanks, Bobby. Thanks for the note. <laughs> the popped up in the chat um, is this thing that's going on in two weeks up in Minneapolis with uh, the Bitcoin meetup and the show at First Avenue uh, with uh, Ainsley Costello and Just Loud, the the ability to live stream your show and have people send you bitcoin to tip you while you're playing it it you know you can't do that per se in youtube you know you can kind of hold up a a qr code or or, or yeah. you, know, you can have somebody in your in your on your team like posting a, a venmo thing constantly in the in the youtube chat but i would tell this band that we're sitting there enjoying it's like guys, like next time you're like you're doing a live show, like why not broadcast that live show over the internet and have people pay you directly in Bitcoin while you're playing worldwide? Yeah, and um, I mean one cool thing, um, it's called LNURL. You know, people listening that don't know about this Bitcoin um, innovation in music, it's like oh god, another term. What the hell is that? It basically <laughs> makes it simple where you can send Bitcoin in email format. Where it could be like, oh, yeah. Bob, like Bobby at voltage.cloud or whatever. And then I can just send you Bitcoin in real time. And what's really fun is it allows you to, people can just send it to you, like just nonstop. You could say, send it every minute, send it every few seconds. Like if I like something you perform, like your buddy shredded that sick solo, I could just double tap and it'll send more money. Like it's, it's so powerful. And, you brought up a good point with YouTube. They give you these like bonuses or whatever, like super chats. And it's like $5, $10. Like that's pretty hefty, man. Like I make, I make decent money, but that, that makes me a little sick to my stomach. Like sending someone five bucks. Like I would rather send them like a quarter or 50 cents. And when you do that at scale across thousands of people, and it's not going to break the bank for them, especially in an economic you know situation like we're in now, that can really add up. Like you're yeah. on you're on Noster, and I see some folks on Noster. Every post they're making, they're making like a dollar to two dollars in Bitcoin, and that really adds up if you're adding value to the community you're a part of. Yeah, let me chime in at, and say something here, and then Sean, I, I want to go to you. But like, there's a difference, like to all the musicians that are listening to this. Like, um, you know, if, if you're down on Broadway playing cover tunes. For the tourists, it doesn't matter if you're on Broadway or if you're, uh, you know, playing at a, at the Spar in Tacoma or if you're playing on the beach down in in Sarasota somewhere. In, in that setting where the band is playing cover tunes, and people come up and throw tips in the tip jar, you know, that's one thing. But what we're talking about here is being compensated for your original music. What we're talking about with value for value is when you put something out into the universe you should be re, re, you should receive something in turn like it's kind of like a digital tip jar right and we're seeing this work we're seeing this happen it, you can go on to wavelink and you can see all of the all of the sats that people are getting and the and the money that people are tipping these artists consistently and you're right bobby like if you break it down for sats like Maybe they're not given more than 50 cents a buck or, you know, five bucks a shot, but the thousands and thousands of sats that keep strolling in build up. And that is what creates that, that side income for you. Um, 
Sean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, and I mean, I think here too, and I, I you know, I, I always uh, in these conversations try to remember that I have never endeavored to make a living as a musician. Uh, I often joke that because my father was a professional drummer, I went and got a computer science degree. But uh, so I've never lived nice. that life. I've never, I've never been dependent upon my music as much as it is one of the greatest joys of my life. Uh, so all that to say. Um, I try to be sensitive to the fact that I remember conversations with so many of my, my musician friends here in Nashville and elsewhere. I, I'm thinking of my one friend, Terry, who for the longest time uh, bartended three nights a week for probably 15 years um, and, and covered the bills and gave himself the freedom to, to create, to make music and film the rest of the week. I raise that to say that I think it's all relative to how urgent that income uh, is for them. And so if, you know, if they are playing down abroad and if that pays the bills, if they are a server, a bartender, and that pays the bills, then perhaps that gives them the opportunity to invest in taking some chances. And I think to me, this is what this comes down to. Uh, do they feel an urgency that they've got to use every moment uh, of their time uh, to, you know, to achieve that sort of middle income musician status that I know a lot of, you know, people in publications have written about over the last few years, uh, or uh, are they in a comfortable enough place that they can they can invest? And so it's a long way of saying um, the, the musicians, the artists, the creators that I see um, that are really, I think, to Bobby's previous point, taking advantage of being early uh, are those who I get a sense have created, you know, enough stability for themselves to do it. And so, in other words, you know, it's I don't think it's for us to say, hey, go do this go do this digital busking thing if you can't pay the rent. Um, so I think it's all relative to sort of where they are in their, in their lives and in their careers. But um, hopefully, you know, I think the outcome is that more people have got the opportunity to, to make these bets um, and to, to be early and, and to establish themselves in a, in a new sort of domain. Yeah. There's such a lack of artists in this space and there's a lack of quality music in this space too. So, all right. So let me, let me play the role of the smart-ass, know-it-all guitar player who just melted your face, who knows more about being in a band than you guys do, and whose brother um, is a big NFT, Ethereum, Dogecoin dude, right? So, Bobby, if I were to say, oh, yeah, you know what? Like, this is, yeah, I, I'm not interested. Like, what? I, 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 I want to see us go into Ethereum and, and NFTs. I don't want to do Bitcoin. I think it's a, I think it's a joke. Why should somebody take Bitcoin over Ethereum and NFTs, Bobby? Yeah. Um, so I mean, Bitcoin. There's no CEO. There's no one throat to choke. Um, it is actually decentralized. I don't need to go into that because there's a million podcast people can go verify that is objectively true, undebatable. But I would yeah. also tell that person secure your bag do both of them you know i have friends who sell nfts and they're making thousands monthly selling them like music ones like there's there's huge communities for it secure the bag in both areas like i'm a bitcoiner through and through but i mean if you're trying to make money like do you you know i'll tell you i would help them how to do it if they wanted to i'd be like but bitcoin's better if you were going to go get some ethereum like turn it into bitcoin but um, I, I know, I know people who are making tons of money in Ethereum music stuff. So it's like, you know, I wouldn't try to stop them. I would say, yo, go get your money. Like you need to do it. You're a starving artist. Right. But I would say I would really try to build your brand and point all of your, all of your listeners to the Bitcoin solution, because feasibly it's, it's going to be more interoperable long-term. Like and if we want to go study history, you know, last cycle, Ethereum was the big winner. This cycle, it's Solana. Like if these things keep changing every three to four years based on, you know, this new faster chain with less security is easier to use. You know, you don't want to build your house on sand. You want to build your house on rock. So go secure your bag with Ethereum, but you had better focus and build your brand around Bitcoin and the interoperability of the Lightning Network with the rest of the web. And then I would hope that would spark their interest and we could really dive deeper into like why Bitcoin. Sean, why should I come over to Bitcoin when I think that uh, Ethereum is, uh, NFTs are the right choice? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think I would probably approach it from the standpoint that, hey, if you're comfortable with that fantastic promoter who serves you well until he runs off with half of your income, if you're great with that major record label deal until they disclose to you that you signed everything away in a 360 deal and they get, you know, they get theirs first. I mean, the point being, if you're, if you're willing to trust uh, parties like that and, and you don't feel like you need better protection or better options, then go for it. Right. Uh, if instead you would prefer to be in a situation uh, where you cannot be rugged, you cannot be um, uh, connived, you can't have Hollywood accounting applied uh, uh, after the fact, then I think Bitcoin, you know, is that approach and it's that solution. Um, but I think when you, you know, you know, to your point about the persona, if you're dealing with someone who's got it all figured out, uh, Bobby's probably got the right approach, which is you go do you. Um, but, you know, ultimately, it's meet the new boss, same as the old boss, right? Somebody's running a scam on you. This time it's called an NFT. And if you think they aren't looking for an opportunity uh, to take advantage of you, then you've learned nothing. Yeah. It's spot on. I like the way he articulated that. That was good. Nice little uh, Daltrey slash Townsend reference. For those, for those youngsters who don't know the lyrics of The Who, shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> homework, homework. <laughs> yeah you know i was kind of thinking like and this is more of like a fun fun question uh like it, it, if you think about the classic artists the classic musicians <clears throat> the who stones johnny cash merle haggard like who do you think would have been what would have jumped all over this had they if they had the chance back in the day Right. Like it, it, if you think about the, the those legacy artists, like to me, Prince stands out like Prince would have been all over this market. Prince would have would have been all. But I, I, I'm wondering, like, wow, would would have would have Johnny would Johnny Cash have gotten into this or Chris Christopherson or. And I say that kind of jokingly, but I also say it like because the, the, the major labels, the, the, the legacy labels, the, the, they're going to figure this out sooner or later. And somebody who has their own catalog and is still signed to a major label, they're going to start dumping their music in here. But um, like who, who, as far as like major players, either active or long gone, who, who do you guys think would, would have been all over this if they had the opportunity to? I'll jump in, man. I, I would love to think, and I'm, I'm certain I have seen a meme somewhere of Johnny Cash with his middle finger up and, and somebody, you know, put a Bitcoin symbol on it. But like, as, as someone said, and I wish I could attribute it because I've forgotten that Bitcoin is punk. And, yeah. um, you know, maybe, maybe Prince after the artist formerly, you know, known as maybe when he, um, uh, contractually threw his middle finger up to the label. Um, you know, it's, it seems to me anyone who's been sufficiently burned, uh, yeah. at the level and at the, um, uh, just, just overall massive, massive wealth and, and success they had, but would just love the unconfiscatable nature of, of Bitcoin. Bowie would have been all over this. I think he, was, early, he was extremely early on the internet. So I would, I would love to think that, that he would, that's a great call out. But Bowie, Iggy pop, um, Henry Rollins and black flag. I, I totally agree with you, Sean. It's punk, right? Um, Sex Pistols, The Clash, uh, Revolting Cox, Dead Kennedys. Um, you've just you've just uh, laid out my playlist for this weekend. Thank you. <laughs> but Butthole Surfers, they would have been all over it, right? Sean, uh, Bobby, who who do you think, like from a legacy standpoint, would would have been all over this? Um, I think Rage of the Machine might have liked it. Obviously, they're a little newer. Um, oh, good one. And also, um, I feel like Queen or Elton John, maybe. I feel like there, there were obviously a few other artists that were like wildly taken advantage of by people in their circle. And to just be able to like do your art and not even have to deal with lawyers or people or bankers or managers and money. And it just shows up and you're like, I don't even want to look at it until I need to purchase food or a house. Like, I just... I imagine anyone that just had like a tough go in their career and a lot of drama with people around them would have like truly loved it. 
I think the statement you just uttered, Bobby, is the elevator pitch to a successful artist. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I think about, uh, my God, why do I always forget the title, the, the proper title, Life's Been Good to Me So Far? Um, is so, that the title? Yeah, Walsh, but I always forget the actual, is that the title of the song? But, you know, like that story, right? Uh, anyone who's lived and felt that story, to Bobby's point, I think it would immediately connect. So I think that's mm -hmm. a, that, that to me, you just nailed the way to, to get through to, a, to an established artist, a successful artist. I, I am... I'm I'm so thankful for you guys for joining me on this because it's given me a lot of uh, things to think about as I work on my pitch, trying to bring artists into this. And and you guys are so much. Yeah, you, you guys have had to do the sales pitch, not for musicians, but just people calling Amboss and people calling um, Voltage. You know, you guys have to go Bitcoin 101 just probably every day in in what your roles are. So I really appreciate you guys taking the time to have this conversation. I, yeah, I am, I, I am so excited about this opportunity. Like for the first time in 30 years, I, I'm, I, I'm excited about the music industry again. You know, I mean, I was a singer songwriter in LA from, from 95 to 03, you know, just banging away at trying to get on radio and trying to get gigs. And I got lucky, man. I got, you know, I, I was able to do more than most. But I genuinely believe, I, I believe this with my whole heart, and you, you guys, let me know if I'm wrong or if, if I'm off base. I think there has never been a better time to be an independent musician. Oh, hands down. Yeah. I mean, just seeing the stories of these young kids who, like, they own their whole stack of music they're literally turning down labels left and right, offering them buku money. And they're making, you know, millions a quarter. Like it's, it's phenomenal. Like you, you go on tour when you want, you control all of your, your portfolio, your portfolio of music. And it's just, everyone's going to copy it. It's like the only rational thing to do. And it's great because you have the internet, like you can learn to mix and master on YouTube. You can learn to make beats easily. You can carry, an instrument in your pocket like it's nuts like it's it's such a good time for artists yeah sean i think i know bobby uh sorry i was going to say bobby as as a as a marketer will appreciate this uh deeply what he just laid out and he's much closer to this certainly than i am uh and as you say and it's been great to hear bobby lay out some of these stories and these artists is i think that's what we need we need case studies right and sort of classic product marketing um uh, terminology. We need we need the case studies that tell the stories of these successful uh, independent artists. And yeah. hopefully, I don't know, I don't know, Bobby, if if many of these are already, you know, embracing value for value, Bitcoin, Nostra, whatever. But if if there's a even a small subset, if we can find one or two who've reached that level of success, um, I think that's that's incredibly powerful, and it invites people into a conversation where. You know, they're already seeing the, the, the golden uh, um, uh, ring that they're reaching for. And then the conversation sort of flows from there. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, Connor Price, Nick D, Lawrence, the band, there's a boatload of rappers, uh, you know, that are that are doing it in the NFT and Ethereum space. Uh, Sean, that young lady that we met a couple of weeks ago. Um, you read my mind. I was thinking about her. Yeah. Uh, uh, Violetta, is that her name? I believe, I believe so. Yeah. At, yeah. Uh, I've been trying Park. to get her on. I've been trying to get her on the show. I mean, she's doing well. She's down in Miami right now doing like the, the Basel art thing. Um, she had a command and I think, you know, not, not to digress uh, too much here, but I think um, the reason I thought of her and, and, you know, she's doing most of it uh, on Ethereum with NFTs. Um, we might like that to be otherwise, but as Bobby said, you know, go, go do what you got to do is, she had, uh, to me, such a command of her work and her career and what she is doing. There was there oh, was yeah. no question, no question to me in her mind as to what she's going to do next. Yeah. Um, and that that to me is incredibly inspiring as opposed to um, and I get it. And this is not me you know, trying to take anybody down. But these conversations with artists where it is I'm waiting for X to do Y. I'm waiting for a manager to do this. I'm waiting for this call. I'm waiting for this introduction. Uh, this young woman uh, was waiting on no one. Yeah. And, and I think that's extremely powerful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, this is this is no different than any other industry. 
you know, you, you got to get out there and take it. And I think that um, artists, we, we all love the fact that we're creating art and it's, and the art is, is the goal of the artist to bring people together and the goal of the, of the artist to create bridges and to, and hopefully with more art comes more world peace. Right. I mean, I just, you know, that, that is, that is the full on hippie in me coming out. And that's one of the reasons why I love music and being an artist and what music does and the cultural bridges that it brings people together. But what I see so many artists forgetting is that the unfortunate, ugly truth is that this is dog eat dog competition. You know, I mean, you, you have to treat this like, like it's any other business just because you're you're singing about love and 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 heartbreak and everything else doesn't mean this is not a business and and value for value bitcoin putting your music out in this space gets you a leg up uh in an in arguably the most um difficult business to get into period you know but i think too, too many artists for, for forget that they're like oh, it's all about the love and the peace and the community yeah that's great but you know you got to get out there and kick some ass business wise 100% and i think you know from uh, from the sales and marketing standpoint again um, perhaps too often my brain works in funnels and at the top of the funnel i would argue that it's never been easier to get into the music industry uh but oh, it yeah. is incredibly challenging to make it to the let's say the middle of the funnel right to make it to a point where you're you're sustainable um and i i keep coming back throughout our conversation to what would be possible in speaking to an artist what would be possible if your money uh you can bleep this out we're we're with right you know what if all the people all the stories that you've heard uh and all the things that can and do go wrong uh, what if you could rest well at night knowing your money uh, was secure? And and I think, you know, there's a lot that unfolds, whether it's debasement and as Bobby very eloquently laid out at the beginning, uh, purchasing power. But not to say that, you know, Bitcoin uh, by definition protects from from schemers and crooks. But I think there, there's a powerful message to say, you know, picking up on what you just laid out um, you can uh, do more. You can put more energy and time and focus into your art. Uh, you know, when your money is is secure and safe, and not being debased. Yeah, somebody's going to break through from this space. All right, Bobby. Final thoughts, amigo. Have we have we convinced this this amazing band we just saw here in Nashville? Ha, have we? Is there anything else you, you feel compelled? Do you have to tell them to? to bring them into the wonderful world of, of Bitcoin. Yeah, I would say um, I really hope we left this band or person with more questions than answers because this is very early and they need to be asking questions and learning more and influencing how this thing's going to develop because it's open source software. And for folks not aware of what that means, it's the uh, the you know, they say the world's your oyster or whatever, like this technology is so early, like anyone who has a little bit of an audience or any kind of pool, they have a massive opportunity to influence how it operates and the outcome of it. And that's important. You know, it, you might not be necessarily motivated to like earn money directly, but you're going to transform the fabric of how any and every artist potentially earns money over the future of the internet. And if that aligns with your heart and your mission as a creative, you should definitely ask more questions and just get involved with the groups of people innovating this. And hopefully that inspires them. John, final thoughts, anything we missed, yeah. what your, your parting word to the band is they're loading up their guitars in that beat up Dodge van before they head down to little rock for a gig. Listen to what Bobby said. I mean, that's, that's, that's hard to follow, but I mean, sincerely, I think it's, it's, it's both, tactically sort of shrewd and also genuinely uh i think spot on to appeal not only to their near-term game but to what they are participating in and growing and building as as one in a community of artists and um, i think it's a, it's an excellent point to call out that we are early um you know but so so were those who 
were extraordinarily early to streaming. Um, and, and they had outsized gains from that as well. Uh, but I think the difference here uh, is that it is uh, being built in a way um, that ultimately the artist has control. And that's been promised to them many times. But I think this time we have got a way to, to demonstrate that it is so. Awesome. All right, fellas. Um, <clears throat> Bobby, tell everybody what uh, uh, I, I should have done this at the beginning, and I apologize, but we'll do it here at the end. Bobby, tell everybody what Voltage is and where they can uh, uh, find you and, and employ uh, Voltage and you know, get, get, give us the 30-second uh, uh, Voltage elevator pitch. Yeah, Voltage is a all-in-one Bitcoin development platform where devs, engineers, um, anyone can come and get access to everything you need with Bitcoin to build, integrate it into your product, uh, analytics, liquidity, just all of that. So... If you, if you want to create a solution like this, where where you want to go, and um, we we love Amboss, we're very close with them. They they have probably one of the best products that Lightning needs right now. So we speak highly of them. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on uh, Twitter or X at at i Bobby Shell, like the iPhone at i Bobby Shell. And um, I'm always on LinkedIn talking about Bitcoin. So feel free to say hey there. Yeah, you've got some great content, man. I love your points. So, um, all right, Sean, you got. Yeah, you got 30 seconds. What's the uh, what, what's the Amboss elevator pitch? What do you guys do? Yeah, so thank you, Bobby, for that. And uh, so as as Bobby noted for uh, for Voltage, uh, with a focus on builders, Amboss likewise serves what uh, we tend to call node runners. And so, in short, we aren't necessarily something that's out there to serve um, you know the typical consumer. But if you are endeavoring to build out lightning infrastructure, uh, uh, hopefully with our friends at Voltage, uh, then we provide a number of uh, tools, analytics, data, and services to help you do so uh, in a more cost-efficient, uh, smarter way. So uh, we are the leading data analytics company for the Lightning Network and have a whole host of other products that are coming down the pipe next year. You can find me primarily on Nostra, uh, using uh, either primal.net slash Sean, S-H-A-W-N, or just my uh, Nostr ID, which is Sean at SeanYeager.com. Awesome. Yeah, I would, you know, to all of the musicians who uh, hopefully hear this show, I would highly encourage you guys uh, to follow Bobby Shell uh, on Twitter and LinkedIn and anywhere else and follow Sean Yeager on Noster because both of these guys are spitting bars about uh, technology and Bitcoin. And you're going to, when you first start out, it's going to be way over your head. Um, but don't worry, just hang in there because these guys are both spitting bars and just leaving, leaving pearls every day online. And I have learned a lot from these guys and Bobby, thank you once again for having me on your podcast a couple weeks ago, uh, you know, talking about some, uh, value for value and musicians and all that kind of stuff. Um, and fellas, hope you have a great weekend. Sean, you, you sounded fantastic, man. I know you're fighting a cold, but you sounded like a million bucks. Thank you to what do we have here? Uh, my cold and flu mats. Thank you. Appreciate it. It was a real pleasure, guys. <laughs> have a great thanks, weekend. Guys. All right. Thanks, Bobby. We'll see you guys later. Talk to you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye. So there you have it. My thanks to Bobby Shell and Sean Yeager for joining me in that fun conversation about bringing unsigned artists into the Bitcoin space and taking full advantage of value for value. For all of you unsigned artists, independent artists out there, here's another cool thing about value for value. On the back end of this podcast, thanks to guys like Adam Curry and Dave Jones and Stephen B and all of the developers in the podcasting 2.0 index world, there is something called wallet switching technology, which means that if a song is played on this show, I can switch uh, the, the wallet to have all of the sats for that song go directly to the artist while the song is playing. In the same way that, it, that if I wanted to, I could cut up every section of the show and when Sean is talking, all the sats go to Sean. Or with Bo when Bobby is talking, all of the sats go to Bobby. That's one of the really cool things that you can do with the wallet switching technology that is a part of podcasting 2.0. 
and there are specific apps that you have to use, like Fountain and Podfans and Podverse and CurioCaster, things like that. That is inherent for you to understand with respect to how important and how groundbreaking this technology is. One of the guests on today's show has decided to donate the sats that he earned by coming on the show to Zap.Stream, specifically uh, an individual named Kieran who has been instrumental with bringing live music to the Noster world. And Noster is another social media platform that we're going to have a different show on and we'll talk about that later. But one of the things that you can do is you can donate your sats to other people. Why? Because they're putting their life into the universe. They're putting their work out there for everybody, for the betterment of, of the Bitcoin community, just like you guys are putting your art out in the world for the betterment of the world, right? And you should be compensated for that. So you can also donate your sats. You can also say, hey man, uh, you know, when my song is playing, I want it to go to Habitat for Humanity of Atlanta. Or, hey man, when my song is playing, I want it to go to uh, this, uh, you know, indigenous group down in South America who's making quilts and pulling themselves out of poverty. That's some of the cool stuff that you can do with value for value, with the wallet splitting technology that is enabled in the podcasting 2.0 world. So I hope you will take the time to dive into that and to understand it. Look up Adam Curry, look up Dave Jones, look up Stephen B's Emporium of Podcast Tools. Uh, start diving around in Nostra. There's a lot of amazing tools that are going to transform your ability as a small business owner, which is what you are being uh, an independent musician. These tools are going to transform your ability to succeed. And as Bobby said, secure your bag, man. Go for it, go for it. So a lot of cool stuff coming up in the um, Bitcoin 2.0 podcasting index, Noster, RSS world. Uh, of course, the big thing is uh, these shows coming up in Minneapolis and uh, big shout out to open mic up there at uh, First Avenue, Minneapolis, who is putting his life on the line, making sure these shows happen. The dude is amazing. Shout out to you, sir, for all the work you're doing on the back end. For anybody who's interested in supporting those shows or live streaming those shows, if you go over to AinsleyCostello.com, I know that she has all of the information there where you can check out the live streams of her performances as well as performances from Just Loud. And you should go to our Artist Hour interview uh, from last week or the week before and check out the interview that we did with those two, right? Okay, I'll shut up. Thanks to the guests. Thank you guys for listening. Don't forget to smile for the mugshot. See you.